Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Dorian, wingman and sidekick. Yes, sir. Always good to have you here. Always glad to be here. Well, we got a wow. We've got a really neat show today. We have a neat show. We got an eight guest, and uh, we're eating properly today. I see. Yes, right. We got all the no food, the food layout, today. no junk food, but good coffee. Yeah. So here at the cafe, we always serve the best, and we always bring the best to the people who are listening to us. Absolutely. We have a, a guest here. It's Renee Hendricks, and Renee is she's sitting there, and she's looking at us like, "Why am I here? <laughs> I have no idea why I'm even here." <laughs> Renee, like ten years ago, would you have thought you would be sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe talking about faith and things? Would you have thought that? Never. I was taught that Catholics weren't even Christians. Oh, well, wow. that's, you know, well, hey, so that's like a, that's a long history thing. Maybe that's a whole nother show in and of itself. Yeah, you're a, ba- you're, you're a convert from uh, the Baptist church. That's right. Were you a good Southern Baptist girl? Yes. Yes. And so, I was in church every time the doors were open, Sunday well, morning, awesome. Sunday night, Wednesday night, all time. Wow. Well, that's good. That's that great. Good. Well, I, I'll tell you. One of the reasons why I, I wanted to have you on the show and what I thought was so neat was when I found out um, it's always fun when something like on the Internet goes viral. Well, right, Tom? Well, it maybe, not, maybe it's not always fun. It depends on what it is. <laughs> exactly. You know, I think we've seen lots of stuff in but the news. Renee's like, story it is, is awesome. It is fun. There's like this little video clip that's on YouTube and it's called Tiny Miracles. It's Kleenex Presents Tiny Miracles. And it's about... Well, it's about you in a in a in a, a moment of time in your life, sort of like a span. You're a, a NICU nurse, the neonatal intensive care unit, right? Yes. And where where do you do that? At Kennestone uh, in Marietta, Georgia. Right. And so you you take care of the little babies that are just like in in in, in rough shape, right? They're just struggling to take every breath and and, yes. and be welcomed into the world. Our our smallest baby has been 14 ounces. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It is. That's amazing. And I know that a lot of people think like, ah, I don't want to get into that. How many weeks old was that child? Like 23. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, you know, it's just a, it's a difficult, difficult situation. And I'm glad we have, you know, um, uh, intensive care units specifically designed for those little babies, those little precious babies. And I'm glad we have NICU nurses who are uh, just real troopers to be able to. Just loving spirits to be able to do that. I, I know several people that are involved in that world, and they're just a unique kind of person that is able just to love on those little babies. Well, I, I do feel like it's a calling, and I feel like it's the greatest job in the world because you see these tiny babies come in hooked up to wires everywhere, tubes everywhere. And then as time goes on, you see them losing their tubes and their yeah, wires, and then they go better. home after three or four months most of the time with awesome parents and knowing that you had a part of that. It's just, it's so fulfilling. That sounds beautiful. Now, I know uh, you also uh, medically had some difficulties that you've uh, dealt with in breast cancer, right? I did, three years ago. Yeah, and so how has that process been in terms of like sort of informing and kind of directing and driving what you're doing and how you do what you do? I mean, how has it affected your life? Well, three years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and um, so I had a double mastectomy, and then I had to go through chemo, Mm -hmm. and um, there were some rough days, Right. but um, 
God was so good to me during that time. I felt so close to him. I mean, I would look in the mirror at my scarred body and bald head. Yeah. And, and for a woman, that was traumatic. Right. And um, there was a day that I was having a pity party, yeah. and I was at the breakfast table crying. And I looked outside on my bird feeder, and my two favorite birds showed up at the same time. It was a red-headed woodpecker and a cardinal. Really? And I felt like that was God's way of saying, you're going to be okay. Mm. So after that, and I started feeling normal again, it occurred to me that he had given me a second chance. And wow. I said, I really need to get serious about my faith and devotion now, were you, time. Were you, uh, were you a Catholic at that point? Did you, you, yes. you become Catholic? I became Catholic six years ago. Okay. All right. Well, very good. And so did in in your experience and, and you're realizing that you had to go deeper into your faith, do you, I mean, do you think that like, uh, that like the church is teaching on redemptive suffering and the idea that you, did you kind of maybe really for the first time exp- understand what it meant to, to be part of suffering and to give it to God and to allow him to save the world with it? Well, that's interesting. You would ask me that because I was in a Bible study and they kept talking about suffering. And I'm thinking, what what in the world is this? I was taught that Jesus suffered for us. Right, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't have, to. have to. Yeah, and there's that they read from that nut job, what's his name? Saint Paul, you know, who's, <laughs> who says, I rejoice in my sufferings. It's like he must have been crazy, right? Yeah, and the priest the priest kept talking about suffering and I just didn't get it. And that's when I wow. got diagnosed with breast cancer. So I I'm, You got it. I yeah. I got it. Man. I got it. Right between the eyes. Yeah, so that's when I got my devotional. Um, I went to the Catholic bookstore, and I said, I really want to find a devotional that's that's perfect for me. And it was called The Miracle Hour. And I started reading that devotion. But the funny thing is, every morning I would make my coffee, feed the dogs, and watch Good Morning America. That was my time. That was your ritual. I mm-hmm. loved my time. But for, in order for me to have a devotion, I was going to have to give that up. So You still would, fed the dogs, though, right? We don't want to get the, the people for eth- ethical well, treatment of animals on our case. I did feed the dogs, okay, and good. I did make the coffee. But good morning, America. You can get rid of that. Well, I walked sadly <laughs> past the TV. Yeah, I understand. Back to my bedroom. It's hard to get out of habits. It's right? very hard. But here's the great thing is after a month, I realized that my desire to watch TV had faded, wow. and I would be so excited to spend time that's with beautiful. Jesus. It is. You know, that's that's enlightening to a lot of people who are listening, thinking like, well, you know, I want to give God some more time, but I've got to see, like, I'm going to have to binge watch 24 or whatever <laughs> show is on, and it's like we fill our, our, ourselves with all this um, the, the, the stuff with the, the, the media, but then also the things that we have in life. And you had an opportunity to start to think, like, what's important? And it actually yes. then... Sort of, it seems like it weaned you from what you were filling all your time with. Well, it definitely redirected my priorities. And then I would just look at Jesus on the cross and I would think, You did that for Isn't that me. Amazing? Mm-hmm. I can give you an hour of my time. So, did you tell God now that you were ready to do something new and what if you, whatever, Lord, you want, I'm going to do it now? Or did that kind of change your life? Because a lot of people have that experience. It did. You know, once you have cancer, you're like, Wow. I've been given a second chance. And you realize life is a gift. It is a gift. Yeah. You know, everything you see 
you're like, oh my gosh, this is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'd been on mission trips to Kenya, to Turkey, to Guatemala, to Honduras, and my kids are grown, so I've got time. So I am great with a mission trip. Let's go. (laughs) But he said, stop. That is not what I want you to do. What did he tell you? So I um, was invited to be on Journey Home. The Journey Home with Marcus Grodi. What a great program. Favorite show. That is Tom's favorite show show of all time. So now you're like one of our favorite guests because you've been on that show. (laughs) Got to get your autograph now. EWTN. What a great program when that comes on. We were on our way from Atlanta to Ohio to record it. And we, it was my best friend and I. We were having the best time, singing, laughing, and we put on a talk by Scott Hahn. And all of a sudden, this black, debilitating cloud came over me. Ooh. I got in the fetal position. I started crying. I said, you've got to turn this car around. I can't do this. I can't do it. Well, she was smart. She started praying Hail Mary. She started praying our Father. She said, you've got to physically push him away. And I said, in "Now the, is this is this wow. Scott Hahn's fault?" <laughs> yeah, really. Was I it, didn't know Scott did, had that effect. We had that, him on the show. It, I know. I'm thinking we need to go back and listen to that. I thing. never said that. I know, but <laughs> I was listening to Scott Hahn. Next thing I know, black debilitating cloud. Well, yeah, right? I don't know. It didn't. I'm Scott's not, such a wonderful, I'm wonderful not man. Blame. Yeah. So I, I said, "In the name of Jesus, Satan, get out of here!" All of a sudden, the cloud was lifted, and I said, "Okay." Where were we? Oh, And wow. she's looking at me in disbelief. We get out of the car. Wow. She pulls the car over. We get out. We shook ourselves off <laughs> and headed on to Ohio. But Man. Satan is real, but our God is so much more powerful. So what was the experience like being on Journey Home? Because you came from the Baptist tradition. You're probably a good little Baptist girl, did all the stuff, and you read all the scriptures. You knew all the stuff you went to sunday school you did all the th- things you were supposed to uh and then your eyes were open somehow how did you become i mean i know it's probably a longer story but was there any one thing that you recall like from the journey home when you were talking about like this was a this was a game changer this moment oh the the game changer was so amazing i was working on the weekends and so i couldn't go to church on on the weekends so my friend invited me to go to mass with her during the week well, my attitude was so horrible. I mm. wouldn't genuflect. I wouldn't kneel. I didn't believe Jesus was there. So for a year, wacky I had, Catholics. Uh huh. <laughs> I had a terrible attitude. I wouldn't even go down for a blessing. Mm. And there was one time. But you went on a regular basis. I went every for, week for, a, for year. a year. Wow. And so one day, I said, "I'm going to pretend that I truly believe that's the body and blood of Jesus." And as I watched each person receive the Eucharist, the Holy Spirit Mm. hit me like a brick. And I started just sobbing. Oh, wow. She makes the hair stand up on the back of my I'm neck. When she you, I've got chills right now. That is so beautiful, that, that is Renee. Awesome. That is, that's the way it's. Don't you wish that every Catholic realized just what a grace and what a blessing yeah. we it's have? It's such a gift. Eucharist. It is. So my friend comes back to the pew and she sees me and I'm just a mess. And she said, What happened? And I said, It truly is 
mm. the body and blood of Jesus. I want to be Catholic. That is amazing. That is amazing. We we have so much more. We're talking to Renee Hendricks, and we're talking about her conversion. We her, can't take a break now, we got to take a break. There's so oh, much more dude. to talk about on the other end of this break. Before we do that, though, I want to remind folks at home, we got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to uh, hear from you. Send me an email. Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And if we can keep Renee here, if she doesn't like run out of the room in fear, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Let us live honorably as in the day not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. These words of Scripture brought one of the greatest sinners of his day to total conversion. This man was St. Augustine of Hippo. He has shaped our understanding of the Catholic faith for over a thousand years. St. Augustine was born in the year 354 in the Roman province of Numidia, Africa, to St. Monica and his pagan father, Patricius. He was raised in the Christian faith, but fell away as he studied at the university near his home. Though he abandoned the faith, he was a serious student of philosophy. Much like a modern student, he committed himself to many philosophical teachings and spiritual fads, but found none of them to provide any lasting fulfillment. St. Augustine sought comfort in the so-called good things of this world. He lived with his mistress for over 15 years. He enjoyed the bloody Roman games of the time and lived an all-around reckless life. By his own admission, he knew there was much more to life than earthly fulfillment. St. Augustine is famous for saying, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. During this time, his spiritual quest carried him through a career in teaching, which eventually brought him to Milan, Italy. Here he met St. Ambrose, who was a great saint and a philosophical giant. St. Augustine respected St. Ambrose, and he began to truly understand the faith. Still, even after all the intellectual understanding he gained, his conversion was a conversion of the heart. After being baptized, St. Augustine began to live as a monk and dedicated himself to the study of the scriptures. He lived with other like-minded men and eventually returned to Africa, where he became a priest and later the Bishop of Hippo. For the 35 years he served as bishop, he counseled many brother bishops, attended councils of the church, and wrote prolifically. His most famous works are Confessions and the City of God. St. Augustine is an example of someone who reformed his life and truly promoted the mission of the gospel with every fiber of his being. His writings are relevant to our own times and have guided many to a deeper faith in Christ Jesus. This great African saint's feast day is August 28th. He is a father and doctor of the church. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. We're talking to Renee Hendricks about her life and how what a beautiful lot of experiences and some mystery stuff going on here, some suffering and 
medical situations and, and, and becoming Catholic and you're seeing all this stuff bubble together, isn't it neat how, how I think sometimes in, at the beginning of our lives we might think we have this path for ourselves and we got this all this stuff all worked out and you know you like to listen to uh, you know go watch Good Morning America and the dogs and the whole nine that, you had this it's like everything's comfortable everything and then all of a sudden something rocks your world changes everything and then all of a sudden you have this sort of renewed uh, just this this vigor for life and this uh, how precious life is and you have you've done that it seems like in, in experience what you've told us but some of these things that you you're involved in prison ministry yes I, I mean how did, how did that happen well I was in a Bible study which. I want to say something about the Bible study. Well, I was going to stop you and say this is the second time you've mentioned being I in a Bible we, study. We need to talk about yeah, that. How many, how, many, how many Catholics are in Bible studies, right? Yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about. So when I became Catholic, I wanted to get involved. So I was going to join a Bible study, but I thought, I never see anybody carry a Bible to church, so how do they even They're know? They're so heavy, Renee. Why would, we, why would we carry those things? And we have those lovely missalettes. We don't need Bibles. That, well, that's true. And unfortunately, we don't have the missalettes at home, which means right. we, and we don't usually open our Bibles too much at home either. Yeah. Well, Which is sad. Yes, it is sad. <laughs> so, but you, but you came from a good Baptist You're tradition. Getting ready to get her wound up, man. No, just that's well, all. I we that. carried our Bibles all the time. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, at this Bible study with these eight amazing women, and come to find out, they knew more about the Bible than I did. Wow, that's and these interesting. Are Catholic women. Catholic women, wow. yes. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Well, a lot of people get surprised. I teach RCIA, and a lot of people get surprised when all of a sudden we start talking about Bible verses, and they're going, I've heard that, but I never knew it meant this, or I never knew it was connected to that, and I never saw it in this light. Or we didn't ever preach about that. We didn't ever hear sermons about John chapter 6 or, or something like that. So, uh, it, so you had that experience with some Catholic women, and it just kind of opened your eyes to the Catholics I, and the Bible. I did. But when I was doing this devotional with the Miracle Hour, I just kept asking God, what is your will for my life? Tell me. I really want to know. And so for months, I was pleading for him to show me what his will was for my life. And then he said, okay, I have a small job for you. (laughs) Well, I was so excited. Oh, a little small job. How lovely. (laughs) Oh, this small job was to pick up trash on bathroom floors. I'm like, really? Wow. Okay, so home was no big deal. <laughs> and the hospital, that wasn't too bad. But the public bathrooms? Yeah. That's what you did? That's what God told you? or That's, that's what, you what he told me. Discerned? I would not have picked that job for myself. So wow. I knew it was him. Okay. And there were times where I would get to the door because it was so disgusting. And I would hear his voice, go pick it up. Man. Go pick it up. So I would go pick it up. Wash my hands a million times, and I this went on for months. Really, until I did it without complaining. Then amazing. Then what happened was I was at Bible study, and a girl came that was in the prison ministry, and she doesn't get to come because it's on the same day right. as our Bible study. She started talking about prison, and my heart started beating fast again. Started crying. And then that's when I knew. But here's what happened was he had taught me humility and obedience through the bathroom trash experience. Hmm. And he said, because I could trust you, I'm going to give you a bigger job. Hmm. And I want you to go into the prison Hmm. and take my love and my forgiveness Hmm. And my mercy to those women. And you know what? I, he probably taught you another theological, a deep theological thought that maybe you haven't even 
put it all together and to realize that the way he taught you that humility is picking up trash and how we as a, a, a culture view people in prison as trash. Oh. Right? And so he's like redeeming and wow. helping you to understand how beautiful mm-hmm. that, that what would be considered the world's trash in these prisons, that you would reach out to them and that you would you would bring his love and mercy to them. How powerful that is. What an amazing well, lesson. I mean, I have to say, I never even thought about prisoners before yeah. this. And I didn't know what to expect. Mm. And the very first time they opened the door and they walked in, he gave me a love for them hmm. without judgment. And that was a miracle. Wow. Renee, that that's a an, what an awesome story. Now, I, I want to go back to, because there's some things that you've, you've done that your life is just like in this last couple of years. It's just like, hmm. again, she doesn't know why she's sitting here. <laughs> it's like I said, do you have like a website? Do you have a book? And she's like, I don't have any of that stuff. In fact, I had to get back because I had to get back to work. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing all these things you've done. And so maybe this would inspire some people. Uh, who are not sure what they're called to do or to be, to really to start to pray and to ask God for some some advice. And and I know this also is informed. I know you probably as a career, you know, in nursing and and whatnot, that you've always done this. But maybe in those last few years, you've had this sort of like newly informed Renee about like the mm-hmm. the treasure that these little babies are, uh, and just to bring the love that you have God's love to them to the families that entrust them to you. Yes. What's that experience like when you meet those families and in these dire situations? What, what is that like? Well, first of all, these parents are separated from their babies, mm. their most precious gift, and they're separated. So I had, I had four perfect pregnancies, mm-hmm. deliveries. Everything was perfect. But these people don't have that. So I try to make their experience as normal and as good as it can be. So I feel like it is a calling from God. I not only take care of the babies, but I take care of the parents as well. Yeah. Could you imagine if everyone, Tom, like in the world, they felt their job was a calling from God, that they they put themselves into it in that perspective? It would be a different world, wouldn't it? It would be a whole different world. It would be a whole different world. And you do such a beautiful thing. And i got to tell people again, you've got to go and see this video on YouTube. It's got like millions of people who have seen it already. Uh, and it's called Tiny Miracles. Kleenex, the, the, the brand of facial Great tissue. Video. Yes. And, I've, I've and, cried now in front of over <laughs> 2 million people. You cry every time? Oh, I, no, I cried on the video. Oh, I know you cried on the video. Oh, I can't watch it. You have it. to see it again over and over, I'm yeah. sure. You can't watch it. Oh, it's just like, you know, I, you know, we, Tom and I are original members of the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Yes. That's from Spanky and our gang or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we're like tough guys, and but I gotta tell you, man, that thing makes me yeah. tear up yeah. every time. It's just so neat to see because I love those, I, I love those kind of moments, and just to have for maybe for the first time you'd really experience it all sort of at once with those parents telling you what they thought about you. It was overwhelming. It was truly overwhelming. Sure. They got me. They got I'm me sure. good. They did a great job. Oh, that was just, but it's just such a uh, a blessing, and I guess. The reality is, is you would probably be the first to to remind us that they're not so much like praising you, but they're really blessing no. God in this process because you are an extension of God's love and mercy to these little babies and to these families. I'm just I'm just a part of a whole bunch of nurses taking care of of patients yep. and just doing what I love to do. 
I don't know how you held it together at the end, though. I don't want to be a spoiler because it's such a cool yeah. ending on that video. She I, didn't actually. I was a mess. Yeah, I was just trying to make you look good, but you just you you just like you melted. But it makes everybody who watch that video melt. So again, it's called right. Tiny Miracles, uh, and it's by uh, it's presented by Kleenex. I guess they were the sponsor of this little thing, and good thing they were sponsored because they probably sold a. A, a, a bajillion Kleenex boxes just because of that little that little video. Yep. So what's next on the horizon for you? I mean, you're you're doing like public speaking things, and you've been on Journey Home, and well, you're on this radio program, which should launch your career into the oh, uh, outer atmosphere. It'll never be the same after this. <laughs> we have like seven people listening right now, and they're yeah. really enthused about yeah. you. I can tell. I bet. What's happening? I mean, you're going to go back to your world and just keep asking God what what it is you, He needs you to do next. I, I'm going to keep. Making my coffee and feeding my dogs and doing my devotion and asking what's next. But the miracle hour, the method of prayer that will change your life, is uh, the most wonderful devotion book I've ever. I mean, it ha- it did change my life, and it got me on focus. I would try to have a devotion, and my mind would be all over the place. Mm-hmm. And there is one section in there where it says, "Wait for the Lord to speak." I'd be thinking about dinner. I'd be mm. thinking about. So I figured out. We don't wait out, so well, do we? No. <laughs> well, this is what I figured out how to, to really concentrate on him speaking to me is that I would just close my eyes and pretend like I'm the, at the throne room of God. And I open the door, and there's some days, well, I could see him on the throne. And there's some days that I would have to hang my head in shame and mm. walk to him. But he would pick me up with his big hands and hold me and tell me that he loves me. Then there's sometimes that I get there and I run. Mm. I run to him, jump in his lap, and he holds me. <laughs> and it's I, I just take a deep breath and just let his love and peace infuse my body. And that is when I can hear him speak to me. Man, what a gift. I'm telling you. What a gift to be able to hear that, to experience that. And, you know, I, I'm telling you, I think uh, if you don't know it already, you're an inspiration, I think, to people who might think that everyone who is writing a book or on television or on the radio or public speaking or whatever is someone who's trained for it and whatever. But here's a little Baptist girl from Georgia who, you know, doing her nursing thing and has all these experiences. You're an inspiration, Renee, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come and oh, be with us here thank you. on the Catholic Cafe. And so as we wrap up, I, I think that we just need to uh, uh, invite all of our listeners to, to discern, especially our ladies. You know, we're a couple of guys and we're a couple of knuckleheads, but the ladies out there, <laughs> I'm glad you're here to inspire them, to help them know that they're loved, that God has a meaning and a, and, and a purpose for each and every one of them. Renee, thanks for being here. Thank you. Let's close in prayer and ask our lady to wrap her mantle of love around us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Amen. Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com where you can find out more information about the Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. 
you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time. <laughs>